The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Welcome to the Church of Roy, an armchair all-American podcast. Warning, today's show may include adult language. Now here are your hosts, Brian Wilcox and Steve DeWalt. Hey, welcome everybody to the second episode of the Church of Roy podcast. We are back. The Blazers look like they were on the road to recovery last week, but a little setback to start the week off. We were recording before the Clippers game tonight. Um, I've... Of course, I want to introduce Brian Wilcox, our co-host. I'm Steve Dewald. Um, so, Brian, how are you feeling after what looked like a promising start against Boston, against San Antonio, and then just kind of that setback against Charlotte? Hopefully, there's a good result and some signs of improvement against the Clippers. But I, I would, I'd be remiss to say that I'm feeling optimistic going into uh, to this next stretch of games. Yeah, last time we talked, you know, we were looking at kind of that stretch they had with um, Detroit, Miami, and Boston would have been last Saturday during our locker room uh, meetup. And I thought that one and two was a real good possibility. And sure enough, they got the win over Detroit, Uh, Miami, that score, it was, they lost by nine, but if you watch the game, it was, uh, they were thoroughly outplayed Boston lost by one, but thought they brought good energy in that game. And I was, I was pretty encouraged with what I saw. Um, San Antonio game squeaked one out, and then that Charlotte game, man. Tough watch. And I think we got a lot to talk about on that one. Yeah, I, I think not only is this stretch not promising, but uh, let's be real here. The the Blazers have not strung together consecutive wins since the month of March. Um, the, the hot seat for Terry Stotts has turned up, and it's not just the fire Stotts contingent on social media. Like, we're seeing this take hold in in a lot of different places. Uh, we we saw it this week with with a Dwight James piece for NBC Sports Northwest, and then really it took center stage in a very well put together article 
from Jason Quick, from The Athletic. Now, granted, there wasn't a lot of new there, and, it, and it's kind of just from one side, but it, it really feels like, barring something crazy ha- happening, I, I feel like we're just kind of in a slog towards Terry Stotts' eventual departure. And, and I, I don't know. Do you, do you feel that? Like, I, I certainly feel it more than ever. Without a doubt. And I was going to ask you just to kind of frame it with, you know, Scott's Stotts' entire tenure with the team. You know, would you put this at the hottest his seat's been since he's been the Blazers coach? I think there was, there was a little heat. Well, what is it? Probably 2018. Yeah, 2018, that, that midseason, like kind of around New Year's, I remember there was kind of some talk that like, hey, this seat might be a little hotter than we all expect it to be. And there were some disappointing losses. I think there was like a really bad loss against a, a obviously tanking Atlanta team around that time. I'd have to go back and look at the schedule. but I, And really, anytime you kind of just take a first-round sweep, I think that, that seat gets turned up. But this, yep. just, feels, this just feels hotter than ever. And I, and I think there, there's a couple reasons going into it for me is, one, I think there was always built-in kind of, hey, we're dealing with injuries or, hey, the team's coming together or we're trying something new. And unlike, like, you know, even last year where it's, hey, Zach Collins is out, Yusuf Nurkic is out, uh, they're going to be back next year. Or or the year before that of, hey, the Blazers are going to be able to add a piece. They have these, these expiring contracts. They have Evan Turner's contract. They have Myers Leonard. They have Maurice Harkless. The, the Blazers don't have that now. They, they don't have that built-in out that they had before. Like, Robert Covington – and some of those other guys, those are pieces you want. And those, and that's the money that those assets that I mentioned before turned into. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now on pro basketball and the start of the MLB season. BetOnline.ag has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, BetOnline has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, Ukrainian table tennis, or championship boxing, Bet Online has it all. Seriously, guys, it's every sport, every game, and every matchup. Bet Online has you covered, and all the odds are real time, so there's no guessing. You know what line you're getting on in on right at the right time, and all the updates are right there. So Bet Online is also the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Seriously, it's a convenient app, easy to do download jump on there get it you can get to everything head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with bet online again that is betonline.ag hey guys it's producer perry here to talk about the awesome app that we've been using here at the church of roy called locker room it is a live audio only sports platform that if you get on the app store on ios it is free to download and to use you can talk to me you can talk to brian you can talk to steve you can talk to lots of other sports personalities perfect for watch parties you can debate post game breakdowns react to breaking news and also you can share your own experiences on that app it's locker room it's awesome it's fun it's interactive we've already had a lot of fun uh, with church of roy interacting with some of our fans with some of people who are just as passionate about the blazers the timbers and all things pacific northwest sports so go right now on your ios device to the app store download locker room get talking with me with steve with brian and a lot of other sports fans just like yourself and we'll be going live on locker room every saturday at 8 a.m 
and, and they just don't have that. There's nobody that's going to come back. Like, I, I think the Zach Collins ship is kind of sailed. Like, if anything that comes out of the Zach Collins situation is going to be a bonus. Like, my expectation right now is, is basically zero there. Like, if he comes back and provides anything, it, it's a bonus right now for the Blazers. I, I think we've Yusuf Nurkic still has a ways to go. CJ McCollum still has a ways to go. But, like, this was not the shot in the arm that, that we all expected in the last week. And I think that overall just – there's nothing really to cling to for next season. I, I think has kind of added to this impending dread that a lot of Blazer fans are feeling right now. I think you really hit on it when you said, you know, you always felt like you were just kind of hanging on till the rest of the troops showed up, right? Well, now the troops are here and we haven't seen a huge jump or even in really any kind of jump in performance from the team. Um, you know, one definition of conflict is a conflict being a series of unmet expectations. <laughs> so, you know, when expectations are low, guys are out, um, the Blazers kind of trodden along and, and really overachieved with, with Dame's level of play the first part of the year. Um, now that expectations are back up as a team that should be a top, you know, four, maybe five seed in the West based on early season returns. I think that now you're seeing we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more some of that conflict where they're where they're not there and they just haven't kind of all gelled together to to form this true contender in the west and and i think out of this conflict you kind of see this birth of what feels like frustration or or grasping at straws and i and i think that's something that like i mentioned that jason quick article really encapsulates really well I, and I think it's kind of hitting this flashpoint for at least with like Blazers Twitter and, and a lot of the conversations we're around is this Derek Jones situation. Mm -hmm. So Derek Jones Jr. since Norman Powell has arrived has only exceeded 20. He's played 21 minutes in one game since then. He's not, he's played one, one game with 20 minutes, one game with 21, one game with 21 minutes. Otherwise he's, he's not passing that number against the Hornets who are undermanned the Blazers obviously don't have Damian Lillard in that game. Derek Jones Jr. doesn't see the floor. He's a healthy scratch. Now, granted, Derek Jones Jr. has not set the world on fire, but 
he's a guy who probably should see the floor in that game, especially when the, the Hornets are putting up 44 points in the first quarter. Absolutely. And it just serves as like this. It's just like, I feel like we're going to see this more and more potentially as the season goes on where these should be kind of low lying issues normally for most NBA teams are going to turn into more and more of these flashpoints for the Blazers. And it's just wild to me. How, how I think how Portland's going to try to thread this needle from the media side, from the team side, and, and from how it looks on the court. What, what's your overall feeling on on how that Derek Jones situation played out against the Hornets? Looking back at his kind of game logs throughout the year, you know, he started the year playing thirty plus minutes a night, um, held pretty steady in that twenty five to twenty seven range January and February, but there was a dip. So it is kind of shocking. I should say then they decreased closer to 23 in March. So I think he's slowly kind of been getting pulled out of the rotation, even if it hasn't been as um, noticeable to some of us, myself included, as maybe maybe it should have been looking back. But to just get a zero burger in a game, a uh, healthy scratch is just shocking. Um, to reiterate your point, when you're getting shellacked on, on defense in the first quarter, to have a guy who's when you're ranger athletes just not even see the court in that quarter let alone the game was was shocking and i think terry's had to answer some tough questions and and will moving forward that that move in particular i think really is going to bring him some heat that he, he was feeling already probably but i know that the fan base and even the media is a little dumbfounded by that decision I, I think what's interesting for me is there's some people in the media that are trying to have this both ways. It's, it, it's trying to just navigate the situation to where everything's fine and it's probably just a problem. But I, I don't think it's really – it can either be Terry Stotts is underutilizing Derek Jones Jr. to a point where it's just a, a disaster and, and it's his fault for not using the way he should, or – Let's face it, Derek Jones Jr. was probably one of the poorer signings of the entire offseason. I mean, if you just look at some of the guys who got the mid-level exception this offseason, I mean, the guys like Montrez Harrell, Serge Ibaka, Justin Holliday, Jamichael Green, even Paul Millsap. Like, there's an argument to be made that those guys are going to be more useful. Now, granted, every situation is different. You know, you had some big markets going after, you know, guys like Harrell and Ibaka, obviously. Portland might not have been in the running, even if they wanted to be. I think you can't have it both ways. I, I think this is equal parts that I don't think Stotts has done anything to help himself down the stretch of this, this season as far as trying to be innovative and come up with something new. And whether that's – He did do something new. More, yeah. He did do something new. He played his uh, premier offseason edition <laughs> zero minutes and a healthy yeah, – yeah. He was healthy in a game, but – but, but I, don't know, thought, I don't think that's what we were talking about, Terry. We said to get a little innovative. Well, let's, let's be real here. Like, I, I don't think Derek Jones Jr. probably looking now is probably an F if you're going back and looking back is what that player is going to contribute if you're going to do the hindsight game of what happened this offseason. And that's just so costly for a team that has so little flexibility to just basically take the mid-level exception and set it on fire during Damian Lillard's prime. Like you just can't do stuff like that. And that's, and nor can you just not 
change your defensive scheme as a coach, as a GM, or a president of basketball operations. You can't just continually miss on, on the tools that you have and then underinvest in the tools that you do have, whether that's a two-way contract or filling out the roster. Those are things that did not happen in Portland until the last couple of weeks. There's just no excuse for it. As there's some no, there, there's not a lot of excuses to give Terry Stotts right now. So I think this has just been the culmination of a season that has felt like a slog and a lot, like I love the Blazers, but this turnaround after a pandemic season has been a slog. And then you have compounded with some questionable coaching decisions. Things have gotten stale. And now you have just the culmination of some serious moves that started in the 2016 summer that have all come to fruition where this roster was just not built to deal with stuff like this. And it's just, it just feels like that's just the entire weight of all those things is just bearing down on Portland right now. So I will say Stotts, I think he's a good coach. Um, but he's been in Portland close to a decade, right? Isn't he year nine, something like that? I mean, at this point, <clears throat> some of the things he's brought to Portland, the stability, kind of that cool, calm demeanor has, has worked very well for him in a lot of times, but the lack of innovation, I think to me is one of them is one of the most disappointing things of his tenure. Um, going back to the aforementioned 2018 series against the Pelicans when I think we his seat was hot, but I think they kind of got a little bit of a pass since Portland hadn't really seen that trapping defense that the Pelicans employed to that level. And so, you know, I, I think he got a little bit of a pass from a large, large portion of the fan base, but here we are three years later and we're still struggling with, with uh, teams that trap Dame. But I would, I would also say though, part of the reason that I think Portland really struggles against good teams is that, um, this roster has been assembled with some seriously flawed players um, on both sides of the court. Offensively, Jones doesn't bring much except for being, you know, baseline lob threat. Uh, defensively, guys like Mello and Cantor routinely get torched. Terry cannot put out a well-rounded five players on the court at any one time. And good teams will exploit that on both ends. And we're seeing it through the record so far this year. So I can't put it all on Terry, but you, you would like to see a little more creativity, a little more flexibility in the way he runs both his, I'd say primarily defense, but offense as well. Yeah, I, I think, and that's what I'm getting at is like, I, I don't think there's any one person you can pin all this on, or, or even if it is an individual, I don't think you can pin it on an individual period, Sure, but, but I, I think it, it's just so hard to navigate that gray area because, you know, we live in a media landscape where we got to turn out con like I, I see this firsthand at blazer's edge. Like we, there's an expectation to, to make sure we're turning over content and getting all those voices out there. And I think sometimes there's some good insight that comes out. And I think there's sometimes there's some stuff that's rushed and, and you want this real black and white narrative mm -hmm. or just, I, I don't think that's an option all the time. Um, out of the side of the doom and gloom, I do think that the Blazers are incredibly fortunate to be dealing with all this and still be in a situation where they do have a slight cushion over the Mavericks to hold out of that playing spot. Mm -hmm. And really let's be, let's be real here. The, the Mavericks aren't doing themselves any favors down the stretch here either. Like for every good win they have, they also have a bad loss. Um, I, I just, 
I think there is still time for this team to figure things out. Now, do I think there's time for them to all of a sudden me feel great about a first round matchup in the playoffs or, or feel very secure that Terry Stotts is in, in a reasonable spot to stay on board moving forward? That's the big question. Like, so, so what would you say is your, what would, given the situation now, what would be one thing you would point to on the, on the kind of the optimistic side of things? What, what would you look at? Um, the fact that we are, that Portland is <clears throat> in the spot they're in, in the West, while having the 15th best um, point differential in the league, I believe is 15 last time I checked. I know that doesn't sound optimistic, but they did that before Powell was added, before Nurk, or, you know, while CJ Nurk missed all that time. Uh, we could very, very easily be in that eighth, ninth spot based just on our point differential. It really is hats off to Dame and how well he's played and carried the team late. Um, you know, I think with those guys coming back, I, I still have hope that Portland could really turn this thing around and fix some issues defensively. And, you know, potentially, really, I think best case scenario right now is probably hanging tight. Brutal schedule coming up, but you know, with Nurk back and the potential improvements that can be made defensively, I think that securing a six, seven seed um, and a talent in a, just a loaded West with all the injuries would be a pretty good outcome. And I think that slight improvements def and defensively is the way to get there. What about you, Steve? I, I think there's still so many moving pieces and it's something I touched on in the last podcast. Like there's a lot of guys who haven't really played together very much. And I think, there is still time to kind of put together a few different things before the postseason, and, and I think one advantage that this Blazers team might have that other teams have, other Blazers teams have not had, is I think there's a potential for this team to throw something new at an opponent in a playoff series, just mm -hmm. from the lever level of interchangeable pieces that they do have. <laughs> now, obviously, that hits a road bump with or a speed bump with what we're talking about with Derek Jones Jr. As far as Derek Jones Jr. in my mind is a big part of that as far as roster flexibility and throwing different guys into different situations um, and switching between potentially a zone defense and then go to man-to-man -man or being very mm -hmm. aggressive at the point of attack because Derek Jones Jr. at times has shown he can really be the tip of the spear on the defensive end. And it also allows – so potentially when you have on-ball defenders like Derek Jones Jr. and Norman Powell, you let – Robert Covington play to his strengths as a defender. This is why he was an all NBA defender, all defensive team NBA player. And just you allow him to play off ball play in those passing lanes. You let Yusuf Nurkic protect the paint. You don't put him in a situation where he's vulnerable. Um, seeing, seeing Covington more of that free safety role rather than trying to shoehorn him into a lockdown cornerback role is really – you know, what we'd like to see out of that guy, right? We exactly. didn't sign him to be a one-on-one -on -one stopper. I think he's miscast in that role. You get him to where he can roam passing lanes, use the anticipation to make good plays, and and I think his defensive output will look a lot better as well. And, and that that's the key is – and I'm just talking about the defensive end right now where there's key areas of improvement. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a lot of runway to land that plane down the improvement <laughs> line. So offensively, I, I think – not only does Norman Powell bring stuff to the defensive end, but offense.
defensively. Norman Powell is that player that Portland just has not had. And, and I think we're starting to see what he can do next to Dame and CJ when he plays with them. I think the next level is watching how Norm plays alongside Yusuf Nurkic because I think those two guys are X factors on offense because you know you're going to most likely get that steady 50 points from Dame and CJ every night. And, and if Norm and Nurkic can consistently win their one-on-one battles, if they can consistently be a positive on offense, which both of them have shown capable of doing, I, I think – there is a way to where this offense can continue to mask how bad the defense is. Now, granted, rotations tighten, everything tightens up in the playoffs. But if Portland can put together a run here after they kind of get through this rough patch and Damian Lillard gets through whatever injury issues, he's hopefully they're just lingering, just kind of rest-related injuries. Once he can get through those, hopefully – you see this team put the pieces together on the offensive end. I have very low expectations on the defensive end, but hopefully you see them start to put pieces together to where they can show that they can beat good teams because right now the record is abysmal against good teams. I think it's like one and eight against teams above them in the, in the, in the standings. And you yep. just, that doesn't give you the warm and fuzzy feeling heading into the postseason. It's true though. I mean, this new group hasn't had a chance to gel. I don't think we can – there's not a signature game that I can think of off the top of my head where you've had Dame, CJ, Norm, Covington, and Nurk playing huge minutes together, um, no restrictions, no nagging injuries, um, to really see what that group can do. And so I think that truly is a cause for optimism. I think that group could, could be pretty special, especially if we um, – Portland lands in the right matchups. Yeah, so not to get ahead of ourselves, but – what what matchup do you think you see yourself most comfortable with for the Blazers? And I mean, really just kind of glancing at the at the standings right now, you're looking probably anywhere from the Suns, Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers. Let's just call them those four teams. Mm-hmm. Is there a t- team in that group of four that you would you would prefer or are potentially not necessarily prefer, but is there an X factor that you point to in one of those matchups that you you would you would prefer over uh, potentially another matchup? Um, I'll tell you off the bat, I don't want anything to do with those LA teams. Uh, the Clippers are just a terrible matchup with, with Kawhi and, and Paul George on the wing. And then any team with LeBron, I really don't want any part of either. So that leaves Nuggets and the Suns. Uh, Jokic playing at MVP level, probably the favorite this year. Um, but we've shown we can, the, you know, Portland's shown that they can beat the Nuggets. Uh, the unfortunate injury to Jamal Murray really takes away some of their perimeter firepower, which I think bodes well for Portland. Um, with the Suns, you're looking at two smaller guards as their best players, which kind of aligns with Portland's what Portland's been doing for the last few years. So for me, it'd come down to the Suns or the Nuggets. I might take the Nuggets as a more preferable matchup just due to that, um, that they're thinned out with the with the Murray injury what about you I I think for me the the Nuggets scare me just a little bit just because like the LA teams that you mentioned they they have that size that Mm -hmm. that can be an issue for Portland especially with the Nuggets getting Aaron Gordon and I think I, I think Michael 
Michael Porter Jr. I don't know who the guy is on the Blazers that guards him. It's a good that, point. That has, that has the size to disrupt Ooh, uh, what his shot does. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now on pro basketball and the start of the MLB season. BetOnline.ag has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if base love, BetOnline has you covered. If you golf, MMA, Ukrainian, Ukrainian table tennis, BetOnline has it all. Seriously, guys, it's every sport, every game, and every matchup. BetOnline has you covered, and all the odds are real-time, so there's no guessing. You know what line you're getting on in on right at the right time, and all the updates are right there. So BetOnline is also the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Seriously, it's a convenient app, easy to do download jump on there get it you can get to everything head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with bet online again that is betonline.ag hey everybody summer's here we've all been in a long winter in portland and as we start to journey outside that sun is way brighter than we remember and i just want to tell you that your outdoor experiences could be better clearly better Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japanese optics, Canon's lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses. And are also nearly impossible to scratch. With frames handcrafted in Italy, Canon sunglasses elevate your experiences outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. And right now, Church of Roy listeners can use the exclusive promo code Cast 15 at checkout and receive 15% off on their first pair. Again, that is promo code KANONCAST15. K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-1-5. Canon. Clearly better. The teams I do look at is the Suns, mainly because you have Devin Booker, who would be playing in his first postseason. You have Chris Paul, who is had you know well documented warranted or not questions about his postseason ability as far as being able to be clutch and carry a team through the playoffs um and just just a real untested group you know you have Aiton you have Bridges you have all those guys you're gonna have to play significant roles that aren't playoff tested that's my same idea with the Clippers outside of Kawhi Leonard there's not a lot of guys where I'm very confident on that Clippers team that I'm scared of, you know, it's a one point game with a minute left outside of Kawhi Leonard, who is terrifying and is a bad matchup for the Blazers. But hopefully, you know, you throw Robert Covington at him potentially, you know, even though we mentioned he's not the greatest on ball defender, but situationally, I mean, you like your chances down the stretch, at least to slow him down. And then Norman Powell on Paul George, potentially. Yeah. Beverly's, you know, him on Lillard always makes for a tough, tough game for Dame and just mm-hmm. the, the level that he works and how hard Dame uh, has to work to get to his spots. Well, there's another reason I'm, I see the Clippers. I'm like, Ooh, I, I want any well, part you of have that. the ghost of, you know, you, you have the ghost of Rondo too, playoff yep. Rondo, playoff that, Rondo. That has, has been shown to give the Blazers a bunch of problems. Um, I, 
it's just so weird. Like that, I think this just goes to say how odd we are in, in the Blazers bubble right now, as far as talking about the postseason at all, because it just, it just seems so odd and foreign to me that this team does not feel like it should be a number six seed, which that feeling makes me reevaluate how I view this team is like, am I being too, too critical on this? Which I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, I touched on some of those looming issues earlier, but like, there's just this, you could just hear that clock ticking uh, on Dame's prime. And I think there's just so much of this Blazers fan base that we just have, as fans of this team, have not seen a player in his prime in so long that we, we just, it's, you know, it's this, it's this finite resource that we don't want to waste. And, and we, we caught it with Clyde, but really I would argue that was the last time we really saw a player's prime. I mean, LaMarcus split his prime between yep. the, the Blazers and the Spurs, but, but it's just this special thing that we want to see rewarded, especially with, with how Dane carries himself off the court. Yep. He continues it, to do so well by Portland that hey. we want, you know, we'd love for the team and, and all the fans want to do so well by him as well. Right. And I, mm-hmm. and I there, it is a finite amount of time. I think uh, primes go faster than people think sometimes. And so definitely starting to feel that, that weight of that. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think, well, I think it's a lot of it's tied to, you know, with the Damian Lillard discussion, obviously forever for this era is going to be for the most part, CJ McCollum is running me and CJ McCollum's season this year is such such a, a discussion point that I think is going to be really dissected in the offseason of how well he was playing before that injury and what we have seen his ability to come back and what he looks like now. And like we always kind of figured there would be a regression, but but what have you seen in the last you know, a couple of weeks since he's been back on the floor from that injury. I think we all expected a little fatigue and not, not to have his lungs back and, and maybe he'd be moving around a little slower out there, but his shot selection certainly changed. Um, he was shooting, you know, 11, 12 threes a night early and had really dedicated himself to moving away from the mid range where he's been so lethal since his time in the league to getting those, that extra point on each shot. Um, and you know, shot distribution, just a little different. He's really still not getting in line as much, which has been a historical, historical thing for him, but it seems like he's almost reverted back to, to kind of that old distribution. And, um, I guess I don't have the exact, I can't pinpoint it, but, um, it's in a vacuum. I really loved how he came out so aggressive shooting the three. I mean, there's very few better pure shooters in the league. So to see him get up 11 a game, I was all for that, especially on a team that relies on three so much. Anyway, we're not going to win a defensive, you know, slug fest. Portland's got to get out there and outscore the other team. So I'd like to see him ratchet back to that, that uh, I believe it was that kind of January shot selection mm-hmm. where he was just letting him fly. Yeah. January. And I think that's just the the culmination of stuff that he talked about as far as what he wanted to target his career arc. And it's, it's just so unfortunate that, you know, he, he explains in an interview before his injury, how he wants to focus on, on playing that more perimeter style and staying out of the paint and staying out of high contact areas Mm -hmm. and and try to prevent those injury risks. 
and then of course you know he gets hurt on a drive where Clint Capella lands awkwardly on his foot and now he, he you know we really do see that high efficiency style a lot of three-pointers and really seemingly norm outside of his you know his size where it's passable at the small forward due to his wingspan it's not a positive but next to norm that that style of game makes sense and yes cj's numbers are not where they were pre-injury but I think also, you know, you have to get Norm involved. And then also there's a lot of games where he's, I mean, not a lot of games, but when you're looking at just since he's been back, there's a portion of them, especially after this Clippers game where he's playing without Lillard at his side. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're just, it's hard to get a true sample size of that. The, the, my whole issue with this going like down the stretch run and playing, you know, this whole, I think the Blazers have the, third toughest schedule the rest of the way out and playing that grueling schedule is is this is we've already started to see teams ratchet it up as far as what they're trying to do offensively and defensively like defensively obviously they're going to pressure Damian Lillard but offensively they are going to hunt Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and most teams and, and like just a general coaching principle is you can hide one defensive player. And this has been the, the, at the crux of the Blazers issues on defense is it's really hard to hide two guys, especially when they're playing at a similar position. And I don't know how the Blazers cross that threshold and hopefully, you know, Damian Lillard getting healthy, getting right is part of it. Hopefully CJ McCollum getting his legs underneath him is, is part of it. And hopefully, you know, adding Norman, who who shows like he's a competent defender, is another part of it. But I could I, easily see this being a huge inflection point for really the the Lillard McCollum Stotts Olshay era, right? Mm-hmm. This could be the point where you know we're at the lows and, and Dame's nicked up and and we're losing games, and then you know makes every, Dame gets healthy, the rest of the team gels a little bit. And Portland goes on a run, or this could be where you look back and go, "Shit, that was kind of where <laughs> yep. the wheels started to fall off, right?" Yep, this is fucking it. So, <laughs> like, yeah, I, uh, I just feel like this team doesn't have the excuses that it had before. Mm-hmm. But I will not put it past Neil O'Shea and the Blazers organization to come up with a competent, not a competent, but a defense that looks good on paper which we already know what's coming in the offseason if this thing flames out it's there was injuries we believe in our culture we we want to have everybody back fully healthy um zach collins is back baby yeah, zach do i you know as crazy as that sounds that might be a thing but this all crumbles like here's my doomsday scenario and, and <laughs> I don't really we'll, we'll try we'll try to do something positive before we yeah, end the then show. let's flip it let's flip it afterwards but, okay but here here's what I'm worried about is they make Terry Stotts the fall guy at the end of the season right or wrong he gets boost he gets the boot then Norman Powell signs somewhere else and you've effectively just mismanaged Gary Trent Jr's value and everything else and so now not only have you gotten rid of your coach and made him the fall guy, you're probably one year away from making Neil Shea the fall guy. So you're prolonging Dame's prime little window here 
another year until you finally feel like you have the competent, you know, the, the, uh, not, I shouldn't say competent, the, the coach you feel comfortable with and then the front office that you feel will make competent decisions moving forward. You're, you're delaying that and you're just further kind of spreading that out. And then I think we've seen it across the league. Anytime a new GM kind of comes in or a president of basketball operations comes in, they want their signature move. They want to put their stamp mm-hmm. on the team where I'll, I'll credit Daryl Morey, who, who has not really done it with the Sixers. I think he had the opportunity to do it, but he's kind of playing the slow game, but not every GM has that level of confidence and patience. And that is what terrifies me of what could happen this off season. And what do you think that could be the result from that? Do you think it'd be moving on from, CJ, do you think it'd be? I guess where where do you see that that going? I I don't know. I don't know what the signature move is, but but I just feel like it's. I think honestly, like the thing is stagnation. Like mm-hmm. we we keep doing this over and over and over again, and expect a different expectation. And it, here's the problem: is like when you raise that flag, I think there's a segment of this fan base of the media and of the organization that kind of has a sinister argument to it where it's you're in a small market. The ownership is kind of in flux right now. It is. And, and you better be careful what you wish for and don't be upset with mediocrity. And I think that just makes you want to, that's the thing that makes me want to gouge my eyes out more than like the defense. And so it's like, Nothing makes me want to gouge my eyes out anymore to the, you know, the defense you know. this year, but uh, yeah, I, I, know like, you, I know what you mean. It's like, you know, you're sitting there, you're making all these good points and, and you know, you're the, you're the viper and you're towering over the mountain and you think you're making all these great points. And the next thing you know, like the guy sweeps you out from under your feet and blows your eyeballs out. Like, that's what I feel like this whole situation is. So like, just to do like a very outdated game of Thrones reference. So there you I go. There's, there's my, there's, do we have a ding for out of date Game of Thrones references? Because if we don't, we should have that on. Perry, we're out the button, dude. So, I'll talk to you enough. Yeah. But, I, I could see, I could see something like that happen. I think, I think Olshay sticks around um, no matter what. And probably to your point, makes Terry the fall guy. Whether he'd finally shake it up after that or just try to ride on internal improvement like usual and through a different coach remains to be seen. But again, this is doomsday scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to exactly. me about, talk to me about what you'd rather see <laughs> and on, on the optimistic side of things here. What, what I would rather see, and I'll get your take to this. And I don't want to just be like those one, like go from one streamlined person, but I would like to see a, a balance, a more balanced roster. And, and that might mean if C, if Norman Powell is retained, I believe for the first time, this organization might feel confident in trading CJ McCollum. And, and I love CJ and I do like what this backcourt does. And I think they will always have a place in Blazers history. I want to make that very clear, but I think if this team is going to take the next step, they potentially need to look at balancing the roster into a, a two-way threat in the front court. And, and I think Robert Covington is that to a lesser degree, but like he's not he's not a Chris Middleton, let's be honest. So 
I would like to see maybe potentially a move made. It could be even be Norm, but I would like to see Norm stay on the roster with Damian Lillard just because what Norm offers on the defensive end. I would like to see a balanced roster, or if CJ is retained, you continue to, you know, tinker with guys that play to the to those players' strengths. And the Blazers, I think, have tried to do that in the past. And to some success and to a lot of failures, I think, and and hopefully they hit on one of those guys. And I think that's the best case scenario is you, you bank on that. You bank on some surprises you next year going forward, you bank on a Yusuf Nurkic contract year, you bank on a Robert Covington contract year. And then you have Dame and CJ who probably hear the clock ticking. And then you have Zach Collins who could potentially be on a, a qualifying offer they, they could be playing on a prove-it deal. There's that and most, the rescue. Waiting for yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. if, we're, if we're going best case scenario. Sure. But, but what, I mean, what does it look like for you? Like what, what would be, we, obviously I, I went deep into doomsday scenarios, but what, what would be your positives? I know shit. I was just like, uh, getting the six seed. <laughs> six seed in the nuggets or the Suns, maybe. Um, you know, I, I do think that, it's tough because I think that Portland's taken, you know, they've had some late season postseason successes that have potentially kept forced, not forced them, but led them to keep the status quo. Right. And, and, and we're here because of some of those um, results and subsequent decisions. And so part of me does wonder if, you know, kind of a failure in the postseason or, or late in the year um, does serve as that catalyst to change where in the long term Portland's able to make a little more noise. Um, it's just hard to get there, man. I, I don't see a clear path to getting this, this mythical two-way front court player for CJ that has long been discussed. You know, you, you hear names like Tobias Harris, Aaron Gordon thrown out there that um, – you know, especially now won't work. I don't think Tobias plays enough defense, but I have a hard time with it, man, because truly some of these late season successes have led us to where we are um, in the 2021 season. Um, I guess in short, from what I'd like to see, best case scenario this year, I would like to see this team gel and mm-hmm. hold on to the six spot, try to get a favorable matchup, stay out of the play in. Um, such a short, such a short little deal there. Gonna, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'm going to go, I'm going to go counter here. Are you? I kind of, I kind of want to see Bla- the Blazers in a play in because I, I, I think there is a bigger chance of success in the play in. And I think we're going to enjoy maybe a week more than like <laughs> the slow grind of a five game gentleman sweep that I think uh. this team might be careening towards. Like, who doesn't want to see, you know, Dame in one play in matchup balling out. And then you got, and then you got exactly. Then you have Steph balling out on the opposite end. And then those two teams meet and they're already going to the playoffs at that point in that second matchup. Hope I think that's how it would work. I don't, this whole play in thing is scrambles my brain a little bit, but 
potentially, if that could happen, that would be my ideal situation was both those teams advance from their first play and matchup. And then they play for the seven, eighth seed. I, I don't know if that's how it works. God, I hope that's how it works. Can we edit this out? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, but, uh, hey! Yeah. hey, Perry, help us out here. It, and also, if you ever hear me say edit it out, it's before the show. Yeah, I will definitely say edit it out post game, but leave this part in. But, <laughs> but um, um, I, I just think there, I think there's a potential in a play in matchup where Portland will hit a high before we hit the slow grind of a potential exit. I don't know. Let's get Dame healthy. <laughs> yep. We'll see what the hell they can do. Yep. All right, so I think we, we tried to end on, on a slightly positive note. Um, I do want to rem- remind everybody to please check in on our Locker Room app, uh, on the Locker Room app for our show every Saturday at 8 a.m. We are also going to be exploring some more options for some post-game and halftime shows potentially. Um, please follow our podcast at Church of Roy Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Steve D Hoops. Brian, where can they find you on Twitter? And, and, and oh, he's look—he's so new. He's just a a babe in the in the woods, just just trying to come up with his Twitter handle. Um, while he thinks about that, I do want to give another shout out to our guy Perry Wagner behind the scenes. He's the guy who makes all this possible. Um, Perry, real quick, I want to cut it to you at the end here. What would be your positive outcome for the final weeks. Be be our ray of hope here at the end. What do you got for us? Let's go, Perry. Steve. Hey, hey Steve, I'm with you. I want to see the plan. I am all in on seeing a week of happiness here and a week of promise because, like you said, most likely it's going to be a five. And I'll just say that I'm trying to read these rules for the plan, <laughs> and I still don't get it myself. So I don't know if you were right. I don't know if you were wrong, but I don't know if that's your fault. You guys but, are yeah. nuts. come on brian get on board with it give me the guaranteed four no oh boo boo this man Hmm. brian do you have a twitter handle for us or you you still you just leaving us hanging yeah man it's uh brian underscore wilcox underscore seven there you go yep i got it i got it all right thank you again everybody who stopped in go to our apple uh, go to find us on apple podcast give us a rating throw us a comment throw some questions on Twitter. We, we appreciate everybody who's taking the time to listen to us. And again, we're just getting started here and we're really grateful for everybody. So thank you. Enjoy your week until we speak again. Good night. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod and be sure to check out our live show on Locker Room every Saturday bright and early at 8 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say... What is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.